second. <laughs> Give me some feedback, everybody, on audio. Uh, what is going on, everybody? Chris here. I am here with Chuck Cook. Thank you so much for joining us, Chuck. Um, as most of you probably know, Chuck Cook is another full self-driving beta tester. He's one of the OGs. He's had full self-driving beta for almost three years now, and he has been in the release notes, which is really amazing. And he uh, has a background as a pilot. You fly uh, airplanes, which to me always is mind-blowing and amazing. So um, thank you so much for joining us. And if you want to give us a brief intro of yourself and tell us about your background um, as a pilot and how you think that has helped with your full self-driving beta analysis and input. Wow. So first of all, thank you, Chris, for inviting me to do this live stream. And Stephanie, in the background, thank you. This is awesome. You guys are an awesome couple. And it was so great to meet you personally in Jacksonville. Thank you for coming to my hometown. Thank you for making the effort to meet me and my wife, Katie, who enjoyed meeting both of you. That was special. Those personal connections are what make this community uh, important. Uh, and, and that is why we will continue to do that. And I can't wait to see you at the Cybertruck event. And Chris, you and I will do this when we get our Cybertrucks together, maybe one day with that uh, V4 hardware. And uh, we will be doing this together for V4. Definitely. So, um, yeah, my name is Chuck Cook. You know, I'm a FSD beta tester, same timeline as Chris, you know, in that November, October timeframe 2020, it's coming a blur now. Um, we were not the very first, but we were like the second wave. Um, so I think Chris got his FSD invite because he was a YouTuber. I wasn't a YouTuber, so. right? right? I wasn't. I was like a nobody. Uh, and I will, and I've told many people this. I sent my background to the FSD beta team and copied them and said, hey, this is who I am. And I said, I'd love to be a part of what you're building here. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a pilot. I'm an engineer. I'm with the Naval Academy. I have some engineering background and I've got a lifetime of experience and I love technology. And my current career is about technology. And then it went silent for about three months. And then all of a sudden, welcome to the early access program. I'm like, holy smokes. They got my email. And then about a week later, I had to sign this enormous waiver about access to the FSD beta program, which Chris, you probably had to sign too early on. There was this very I didn't, early agreement. I didn't sign that, anything. There was a there was a well, checkbox no, I did. Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. There was this very okay, okay, okay. detailed yeah. agreement about what we were signing on to, non-disclosure, and it was all kind of pretty secret at that time. And then I clicked it, and the next thing you know. I got my first update to FSD beta on my Model Y 2020, which is the only Tesla I own. And my Model Y is like the 2570, so 2570th uh, Fremont Model Y, very early Model Y. Um, and I've been driving FSD beta since. And I tell you what, you know, I didn't realize when I signed on to this program how much of a geek fun experiment it would be for me. Everything from CAN bus data, to video, I had to relearn video editing that I didn't really know before. And then starting a YouTube channel, which I'm not really into YouTube for the money, but the, the content and teaching that you can do on YouTube is amazing. And I even have, I started a beekeeping YouTube channel because I'm like, oh my gosh, I can go do that on beekeeping too. And all these other yep. sort of things. So I am a pilot. 
Uh, I'm not going to tell you my airline, but I work in the Northeast. I'm an Airbus captain. I've been flying uh, commercial airliners for over 20 years. And then I flew uh, military aircraft off aircraft carriers for another 15 years before that. So I've been flying a long time. But the important thing that I think about aviation that I want to tell you that are listening that I bring is it's the same thing. It's the same thing. When I turn on my autopilot, it's just like going doom, doom. It's the same thing. So I'm going to give you all this secret. In automation, they teach pilots there are three levels of automation. Three levels. The Tesla. Guess how many level? Three levels. You're flying the airplane. Stick and rudder. I have throttle control. Level zero. You engage auto throttles. Level one. But traffic aware cruise control, TACC. <laughs> That's the same thing as auto throttles. You go two clicks, autopilot, that is the same thing as vertical and lateral navigation. You have both modes engaged, throttle and vertical flying is engaged. And the first thing they teach a pilot when anything goes wrong, just like any FSD beta tester, if anything goes wrong, manage the problem by reducing the level of automation. Guess what? Every FSD beta problem we have today, we are telling everyone, reduce the level of automation, take control, hit the brake, take over control. Just like we tell pilots today, if you encounter something that is not normal, take control of the airplane. Just like we tell you to take control of your car in FSD beta. There's 400,000 of you out there. It's no different. You're just not trained as pilots, so you don't know you haven't been trained that way. It's the same thing. So if you're ever in an airplane and you have a problem, reduce the level of automation, you take the autopilot off, you fly the airplane, if it determine how big the issue is, land the airplane, or guess what? If it's not a big deal, re-engage and continue your flight. So my experience as a pilot, this translates. And that is why I think it is all, and guess what? The colors are even the same. (laughs) <laughs> the colors of the steering controls, the color. So wow. there's a there's there's a whole human factors element in creating UI displays that deals with the colors when things are engaged or not engaged. So that in a glance you can see is it engaged or not. And we've gotten this blue steering wheel. We've got this traffic aware cruise control is in my opinion a little too subtle. My wife doesn't really know if that's engaged or not. It's not really mm-hmm. aware. And I think many of us have experienced the first level of disengagement, yet TACC is still engaged and it's still using throttle. And many of us are like, whoa, and you don't realize it, but you only right. disengaged the auto steer, not the traffic rear cruise control. I think that is just something that can be improved. So, Chris, you asked me to give a short intro to my pilot <laughs> experience on FSD. And no, I just went into a deep dive on autopilot yeah. in my pilot background. But that is why I'm so passionate about this is because the things I do in every day at my work, when I go home and I drive my car, I get to do even more. And then, oh, by the way, I get to hack the CAN bus or I get to extract some data from my car and I get to look <laughs> at what it did. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is such a passion for me. And uh, I know that doesn't come across in every video, um, but when I make my videos, and Chris, I'm going to give you a straight up nice job because you are managing content 
and and your videos have changed so much. And I watched three of yours today, including the one you put out today. <laughs> and um, uh, kudos to you because everyone that has been driving this has gone from, oh my God, it's going to be ready this year to the reality. And reality has not set in for everyone in how they advertise it. And I appreciate you being honest and I appreciate you being diligent. And honestly, when I read Twitter comments, it's you that everyone talks about that are bi are unbiased. And I, I, I'm glad to be here with you talking about it because you um, are doing a good job. And uh, I want to support you, you in doing that in any way I can, um, because I think together, this message of where FSD is mm -hmm. in its product cycle is important. And I've got some theories that Tesla may be changing their theories on how they want to approach this. And it may shock everyone. So, so then let me ask you, it kind of leads into one of my questions I had, which mine aren't as important as the audience, but I do want to put this one out there because I think you're really qualified to talk on this topic. Um, what's your opinion? I know you've talked about this before, so I bring it up on hardware redundancy, um, because I'm sure that yeah. in an airplane, well, there's a lot of redundancy and backups and everything. And it's something yeah. you've talked about before. So, so comment what you think about that in terms of FSD beta today, but also FSD beta, if we ever do get to that level three or uh, sorry, level four, level five kind of yeah. operation. I, so in my industry, nothing can be done without redundancy. So I, I have to have two autopilots. I have to have two radars. I have to have two flight management systems, which is the equivalent of saying I have to have two navigation systems. I have to have two of everything so that if one of them fails, I can degrade to one and still have the required performance for, for, for the required function. Right. I don't know what the requirement will be in automotive. So I cannot equivalently say that everything that aviation required will be required on cars because arguably you can say we have a Waymo and cruise kind of a test and I don't know the redundancy they have. So maybe there is a different standard. So if there is a different standard on redundancy, then I want to understand that better. But I truly think that for a driver out of the seat, redundancy, at least the compute level needs to be required unless it has some sort of bailout scenario that just says pull over to the side of the road and, and abort. So in an airplane, you can't just pull over to the side of the road and abort, right? So if I'm at 35,000 feet, I just can't pull over to the side of the road. So <laughs> right. maybe, maybe the road domain or the ODD for driving is different enough that I need to adjust my paradigm to understand the redundancy requirements that may be required by regulators. But the things about camera cleaning, I, I, I can't understand unless the abort criteria is just pull over and expect someone to wipe it, right? So to me, right. there are so many scenarios. I mean, right now our, our, our B-pillar cameras are scared of the dark. I mean, in a pitch black rural road, it says, I can't see. Oh, no, no. You can see just fine. It's just really dark. Right. And There's I nothing to see. Yeah. <laughs> I don't understand that right now. So I'm just going to chalk that up to the neural networks need to understand that better. Um, but 
in any level of human safety autonomy required in aviation, redundancy is a paradigm. I don't want to pretend that I understand every paradigm that might be required for automotive because you can just pull over and stop. So where that interjects... Or even it, just slow to a stop, you know, put the hazards on and slow to a stop. That's probably yes, not the best yes. idea, but in an emergency, it's, it's possible right. to do. So, so you get for a an airplane, I, you know, for an airplane, I need two motors because if one fails, I need one to land in a car. Right. I could pull over and just stop. So where that paradigm differs, I, I would like to get more experience from others that are, are, are more knowledgeable than me. Um, so let me put this question up from John Krause just because it kind of fits in with um, what we're talking about right now. It says, other than specific edge cases, what do you two feel are the biggest problems left to solve before level four slash five? So go ahead with that one, Chuck. What, what, in your opinion, what's the biggest, what are yeah. the biggest problems left to solve? So I like to use this analogy and it is an analogy because it's the beginning and the end. So if the drive could be described in a bell curve of complexity, the beginning of the drive is driveway, or the beginning of the drive is a parking lot, or the beginning of the drive is your parking garage, or the beginning of the drive is your apartment building. But as soon as you get onto that main road or your street in your neighborhood and you get out, you start to go up that curve. And it does really, really good in that middle of that curve through the stoplights, through the stop signs, through most of the turns and the lane changes. And then you get down to the bottom of the curve of going into Lowe's or going into Trader Joe's like uh, Chris did on his last drive or going into these other scenarios where it's just like the complexities of entering and exiting our mainstream flow of traffic, which arguably Tesla has been working on with Navigator and Autopilot for decades already, right? That mainstream flow of traffic, they got that. It's the beginning and the end. So... I'm going to treat the drive like a bell curve and say, you got the middle. The middle is getting really, really good. And through right, version right. 11, the middle is getting better. But these ends still suck. Now, granted, I'm going to tell you, Tesla invested in the time to come to my left turn in Jacksonville. And that is on the left end of the bell curve of a start of a drive. And they solved it. To 90%. I can still make it fail, but it got really, really, really good. It's good. Chris did it. You did it. I mean, you took the video of it and it, it was with it. Did I, it. Yeah, I'm still, I do have just in case anyone's wondering, I, I have road trip part two coming home from Florida that I'm literally still editing from back in March. But yeah, what Chuck is saying is that I met him in person and I hopped in his Model Y and he, you know, I didn't drive his car and he let you know, FSD beta do that left. And it's wicked, man. That traffic is flying. The videos, I always say this about my own videos and it's true for Chuck's too. Do not do it justice compared to sitting in that car. I personally would not want to take that left turn and not to go off on too much of a tangent. But before I even was sure that I was going to meet up with Chuck, I happened to come across the same type of left turn where you have to go exactly like Chuck's, but in a different area. I bailed on it because I, as a human, could not do it. And I got frustrated and I got mad and I was like, screw this. And the person behind me honked and I just took off to the right because I couldn't make the left turn. Yeah. It's, it's wicked difficult. So, you know, even to see the car do it, you know, three, four times in a row, even though it needs to do it, you right. know, say a hundred or 500 right. times in a row is very impressive. It, um, so, so then I would, I if, just want to put this if, one up here. 
yep. from Brian real quick, but keep going. Um, he He's asking just because you brought it up, Chuck, how much in your opinion has your unprotected left advanced FSD for the Tesla programmers? So you're already kind of going into that, but I'm just so you yeah. Know that's up there. So first of all, if there happens to be any of the FSD programmers watching this video from Palo Alto or any of you that Chris and I happen to meet at AI Day 2, thank you for everything you do. And Seriously. I hope one of call you me. sees this. I hope you do. Oh, Chris wants you to call them. I, yeah, <laughs> text me. You got my number. Uh, but my point is, you guys are doing God's work. You know, we're all bashing this, but you're trying to solve the unsolvable, but you're doing it. Um, so sending 8S drivers out to my hometown and driving it and just banging it out and getting that labeling and data correction, that worked. Granted, I know you can't do that globally. You can't do that right. everywhere on the planet. But what you're doing is you're learning how to solve larger issues. And Chris, I don't, maybe you met him too. I met the guy in Palo Alto that created my left turn in the simulator. And I'm like, wow. oh my God, my left turn is in the simulator. And I'm like, can you show me? He's like, no. <laughs> of course not, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, so talk. <laughs> if there's one thing I want on my wall is my turn uh, simulation. I, I That. Yeah. That Maybe the Tesla really, account really cool. will like tweet out a little video of it or something. Wouldn't that be crazy? Yeah, that would be awesome. Maybe your yeah. reach can do it. My reach hasn't been able to do it to this point. But anyway, yeah, I, so. I, I do know that Tesla engineers watch this stuff. You guys are the magic. We are the tool. And Chris and I are trying to learn with a very limited feedback mechanism of how to help you, right? We don't get much from you on what makes you better. Thank you for inviting us to Palo Alto to talk to you in person a little bit because that gave me a little bit of insight. And Chris, I don't know if they told you this, but a couple of them said, hey, when you get home from your drives, can you please turn sentry mode on so your car doesn't go to sleep so your car can finish downloading all the data? Because as soon as you get home from your drives, we download all the data from your car. I'm like, yeah. I had no idea. I, yeah. So no, I they, they didn't tell habits. me that. Yeah, they didn't tell me that specific. <laughs> Learn it from you. Yeah. Um, so yeah. then kind of, I'm trying to like nicely kind of stream through these different questions really? people have. So Steve Martin says, what's your current thoughts on needing more cameras for FSD? And if hardware four will address the following concerns, um, and I think he's yeah. going to add some concerns, but what's your I opinion on more cameras? Oh God, I'm a camera guy. God. So this is my opinion. And you know what? If, if you guys think you can solve this with our current camera configuration, God bless you. Okay, good. That just means that we invented, you know, man, and we said, that's good enough. But if you're going to say this is superhuman, no. That B-pillar location is not superhuman. It's behind my head. Yeah, that's fair. So if that's you're going to make a car that's superhuman, then give me the superhuman perspective, at least at the rearview camera location. The repeater camera location would be better. It's a little bit low. The headlight camera would be optimal. It's a little low too. So just if we're going to say we're going to get by because that's what we started with, then let's admit it. We're going to do with what we started with because that's our platform and we're going to go as far as we can with it. But to say that it's optimal, as an engineer, I'm going to fight to my dying day going, you're wrong because I can do the math. If I lean my head forward 18 inches, from the B-pillar camera. At the 80 meter range of the B-pillar, I gain an extra about 50 meters of perspective at the end of that trajectory with just basic trigonometry with an obstruction at five, so uh, about a, so at five meters. I've done the math. Yeah. 
So my, my, I'll, I'll add to, cause it kind of fits with where you're talking about putting, I can't move cause my mic is stuck here, but <laughs> where you're putting your head. I actually thought about a lot of different um, areas where the cameras could go and I, let me know your thought on this. Not that it probably matters what I think, but I think that near the tops of the A pillars would actually be an amazing spot because number one, it's high up. So you can see a lot. Yep. Number two, they don't tend to get very dirty. Um, especially with, I don't know what Tesla did with the, um, the oh my gosh the repeater camera housing but those repeater cameras like never get water on them they never yeah. get dirt very rare it's i don't know yeah. how they did that but if they could do something similar with the a pillar area it's much farther up than my head would ever be the top of the a pillar and or maybe like the farthest my head would ever be but i think a little farther it's right. high up you get good perspective i think that would be an optimal spot headlights worry me a little bit because just of like getting stuff on there it's kind of close to the ground especially for me like driving on mud all the time i feel like those would get dirty often um and the other you know factor i've heard people talk about which in my opinion for the long-term goal isn't very important is if the car let's say it's superhuman i, I actually agree you made a great point saying like it's not superhuman like if it's superhuman it can see more than me and more places than i can and blah 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 um but uh if the car was so good that it say it had those headlight cameras, it would be able to know if it can go or not before the human can see, right? So when you're at this level two, right? Yeah. So, so when you're at the level two point that we're at right now, that's actually not good because your car is going to creep out just a little bit because it can see everything. You can't, it's going to be like, yeah. all right, here we go. And you're going to be like, oh God, no, like I can't see, <laughs> right? Um, so before it's yeah. level four, you may not want that. Uh, car to be doing that because it kind of scary too much. But um, I, yeah. the, the forward perspective is the biggest liability, in my opinion, on the current architecture. Without discussing things about hardware latency and other things that we don't have true data on, right? So I, there are times that I have been driving and seen a car cross in front of me, and then felt the braking action happen about a second and a half later, and I've been like oh God, I hope that is not a latency in the system right now. Because um, if that is a latency, then we have a bigger problem. I, I'm just right. expecting that there's something else going on there. But with the perspective and visibility, if to be superhuman, I'm leaning as far forward as the steering wheel. So rear view mirror forward is a better perspective or equal perspective to a human on going to a road with my current fender. I'm not going to talk about 1970s cars that had 10 foot, you know, you know, uh, front yeah, hoods and yeah, all of that, that argument. I'm just saying that if you if you're claiming to be superhuman, then you got to be better than me. And if I can see better than you and you're expecting me to think the computer can think better than me when I can see before it does. And I did the measurements. Go look at my video. I measured yep, the do. distance that the car can see. I'm more comfortable in my own vision today than the cars on creeping. And I do think this is a moot subject below 40 miles an hour. Below 40 miles sure. an hour, yeah, creeping totally. works. We can play granny all day long with 40 miles an hour. And even in yep. parking lots in reverse, I can reverse it five miles an hour and not even look and probably figure out that I got to stop before I crash. But at 60 miles an hour cross traffic to do an unprotected left, you got to know. 
No, I, I totally agree. And that's actually, it's so funny because that's the number I always say, and maybe I heard it listening to you or whatever, but I'm always like, you know, that 40 ish mile per hour point is where you start getting the problems because when you're, so like when I do my downtown Ann Arbor drives, I, I pick downtown because it's a lot more chaotic and there's people everywhere and, and, and bikes and cars or whatever, but the card never goes above maybe 30 or 35. So it has all the time in the world from a computer's perspective yeah. to make decisions, to see what's coming, to see what's going. And it, it's very, it's so good and it's so impressive. But then you get on my rural, rural roads where the speed limit is maybe 50 or 55, but people go 60. I've, I've gone 65 on a 50 mile per hour road and been passed, okay? So that's how fast people are driving on these roads. I don't care that it's illegal, they're doing it and the car has to deal with that. And in my opinion, the, the resolution is not good enough to see those cars with enough time, just like you said, with all your measurements and things to make the correct decision. To add on to that, because Cold Envy has asked a few questions and I have a bunch saved of his and I haven't put any up. So I put this one up. Do you think we need better camera placement in the rear for FSD to reverse? So you you touched on that for a second. Do you want to expand a little bit? I, you know, I would love it, but I don't know that it's as important as up front because when we're backing up, we can go so slow. I, I, I We need, I'm like, backing out of an occluded parking lot, I can't see either, right? So I have to do the, oh my gosh, I can't see. So I'm pretending that, but actually, I think my rear view camera is better than me backing out of a true trucks on two side parking lot. If I were to yeah. objectively say what's better. Sure. So do I need it? I'm going to say, I think we're better there than me. So maybe not as long as the speeds are low. Speeds low is the critical thing there because the car can stop quickly. Yeah, it can stop quickly. And it, it's a little bit of a uh, kind of back and forth with the other people around you, because if you back out very slowly and the other person's also paying attention, they're going to realize like, oh, they might not see me. I should kind of calm down for a second here. Um, and then as you back up, like, oh, I see them now. And then they can, you know, you can kind of negotiate back and forth, yeah. which actually I think again, at those lower speeds, full self-driving beta is very good about that negotiating. It kind of has that almost same awkward back and forth you'll have with people at, at like four-way stops and stuff. Um, so yeah, I, I, yeah. um, I agree with you on the slower speeds. Yeah. Uh, I, sorry. Go ahead if you're going to say the car, the car, the car architecture is good, and it was designed for highway. And I want to reinforce that on the highway, it is really good. It is the domain right. it was designed for. And when I'm driving on the highway from Jacksonville to Orlando, two and a half hour drives. Okay, let's argue about the V11 stack and the lane changes and, and camping out in the passing lane. That's all software stuff. But the visibility it has everything it needs. That was the ODD it was designed for. When you take it into city streets with occlusions and stop signs and some obstructions, it's not the ODD it was designed for. And they're trying to do software compensation for that. I think we're running into issues that I've been talking about for a long time. We're going to get a long way. They will be able to do level two solid with this. Level three, I continue to say, that, and I will just reiterate, I do not think we will take the driver out of a hardware three car driver's seat. No. I think that it will be an amazing yep, assisted system with the driver in the seat. I don't think we're removing the driver on this. And, and I haven't changed my stance on that, so that's not – any change there reiterate yeah I, I i agree with you and it's it's so you just kind of like blew my mind a little bit you like really really opened my mind because you know this whole time i'm thinking 
I'm like, Tesla didn't randomly put those cameras on the car, right? There's not like, oh, throw some cameras on. We're not going to think about it. Obviously, they they thought about it, and for whatever reason, they came to that no, conclusion. Mo- that- don't forget, Mobileye thought about it. For Hardware 3? I thought this was Tesla's whole design. We have not changed the hard the camera locations, uh, I think, since Mobileye. The no, Mobileye color- no, Mo- was um, – Mo- I, I don't think Mobileye had the repeaters, did it? Mobile I had me okay. Let yeah, me back because that was pre me. I didn't own a car then, so I may be mistaken. Okay. Then. Yeah, that's all right. Um, I'm just showing that I'm a bigger nerd than you. That's all. <laughs> um, so camera winner, placement, winner. yeah, camera placement did change post mobile eye. Um, but still the whole point of what I'm saying is when you said it works great on the highway and that's what it's designed for, actually, like I kind of really picked up on that because you know, I always say to myself, or, you know, if I'm having a conversation, they didn't randomly place the cameras. They put them on there and they said, Hey, these look good, but you don't know if back in the day they, I mean, they had these aspirations for full self-driving ever since hardware Two. They said, eventually it will fully drive itself, but it makes me think like, Oh, maybe they didn't put as much thought into kind of that, that city driving as maybe they do today. Yeah. Um, so the that's is an amazing location for a camera. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They just, I feel like we need two more or we need to take the repeater and widen it up. Some people have said you could take the repeater housing and tilt it 10 degrees just to give a little bit more horizontal perspective and it would mm-hmm. give you all you needed. Yeah. Could you do that with field of view and a tilt? Could you add a second camera? There's a lot of things that we all argue oh, just a little bit more at that repeater location, but they haven't done it. So maybe they feel they don't need to. Uh, I'm frustrated by it, but I'm not going to pretend to be an engineer that understands what they're solving. And I would love to go to AI day three and talk about it again. I know. Well, that's, that's what's so hard is Tesla has so much more data than we have. And like you, you have facts on your side with the measurements you've made and and the viewing distance and how nobody can argue with you that you moving your head forward, you can see more than the B pillar camera can. That's just a fact. That is a fact. But we don't know exactly what Tesla, what data Tesla has and, and how much, you know, all these statistics weigh in every direction and like, oh, well, it's going to be this safe. And, you know, a conversation I had um, with somebody was about, you know, because I, I don't think 10 times safer than a human is enough to take the human out of the driver's seat because of the amount of miles, you know, a Tesla is going to drive, you know, at mm. that rate, you're going to have a, a full self-driving Tesla accident, like multiple times a day. Sure. Maybe overall the accident number is less, but now every single accident, you can attribute it back to a single source, right? So Tesla is going to be in trouble rather than this guy's in trouble. We put him in jail. This guy's in trouble. We suspend his license, et cetera, et cetera. Right. So, but, but the, the point was if they get it to five or 10 times safer than a human, now you start to get to the point where you show it to regulators, you show it to just like the public at large, and you say like, we could have 10 times less deaths on the road. What's wrong with you not putting this on the road? You know, um, So yeah. they could kind of almost strong arm with that fact of like, look, here's the, the numbers. Like, sure, there will be yeah. accidents though. Just like anything can have an accident. Even a train on train tracks can have an accident. Um, mm-hmm. So we need to like bring I- the safety. You can't deny us anymore. So I have a theory on this, and, and, and this is an unfortunate paradigm that I think many people can probably understand when they think about it in a broader perspective, is that I, I don't know how many of you have kids that are watching this, but maybe when you were kids, you can understand this. Um, humans tolerate mistakes from humans. We do. We're human. We're, we make mistakes. 
we do not tolerate mistakes from machines right now. Today, we don't. So if my car makes a mistake, oh my gosh, look at what they did. But if my daughter was texting and killed someone, it's a tragedy, right? It's empathetic. You empathize with the human that created the problem. You do not empathize with the car. That paradigm difference between empathy of a human mistake and a machine mistake is the gap to define the how many times human perfection that Chris just analogized that we do achieve. And Elon has said, we may need to get to a thousand times a human. That is the gap that we need to understand where a regulator from my industry in the FAA into the into, uh, NHTSA, that we will be required to achieve to get autonomy approved. Where is the gap? One more human death is not enough when a car makes it happen today. It's empathy with human emotion and the way we tolerate human mistakes. I don't know how to fix that, but as much as I talk about it and say, if we save more human lives with autonomy, it somehow isn't enough. Somehow we have to save more and how many more is a number that we have to define. Yeah, no, I agree. Cause there's, so uh, correct me if I'm getting some wrong, but I think in the U S there's 500,000 accidents a year, um, accidents in general, fender benders, you know, whatever. So 40,000 deaths, right? Yeah. yeah 40, something 40, around. 40, I always 40. have a really hard time finding the death, the death number for whatever reason, but so let's just say the accidents. So 500,000 accidents per year. Um, and oh, I had all this math, but hold on. So that's 1,000, it's 1,400 accidents a day, let's say, okay? So 1,400 accidents a day. Just for easy math, pretend Teslas are 10 times safer, meaning they get in 10 times less accidents and every road on the car is a Tesla. <coughs> Bless you. You now have 140 accidents per day. So like if I phrase the question, hey, we have 1,400 accidents a day, I know what we could do overnight so we only have 140 accidents a day. I can reduce it 10x. You're like, oh, how could we not? It's going to save money. Insurance will be cheaper. Yeah. People won't get injured. People won't die. All right, we're going to make all the Teslas drive themselves. Well, hold on. Now you got 140 Tesla accidents per day that you can all attribute back to Tesla. And no one's going to be okay if they're the ones in the accident. And Elon has said, you don't know when it saved people because it didn't happen. It's an, it's a non-event. You can't really like categorize it, mm -hmm. right? So mm -hmm. that's the problem with even if it's a hundred times safer, you have 14 accidents per day that all get attributed back to Tesla. It's too much. <laughs> so it's yeah. it's a hard problem. It, it's a really hard problem. Human empathy is a difficult thing to overcome. We, and we have to just have a higher threshold of perfection that will be required to achieve this level of safety. And the regular the regulators will require it. Um, you know, one X, 10 X won't be enough. Yeah. The numbers will just have to be, oh my gosh, how can we not do this? And then there will be politicians that have to get involved to go, oh, you're doing this. Yeah. Um, it yeah. won't be some regulator in some desk job that says, oh, Tesla wants to do this. It's going to be some senator. It's going to be some president. It's going to be someone that says, you cannot ignore this. Do it. Yeah. 
All right, we're getting into philosophy and politics, and I don't want to get into any of that. <laughs> no, I don't need to be. I'm just saying. I think I think those are the threshold. No, not you. Uh, so we're both just. I mean, that's just the direction it it, it ends up going. Um, so I want to. This this question is pretty simple, but I want to throw it up there. What is uh your prediction on level three, level four with Tesla? So what do you think? And can you? Because you don't think hardware three is going to be level four ever. So no, I don't then, think it will. But but I think I, I do think level three is totally achievable. Uh, and, and I think that it, it can on the hardware three. I, but I think the drive. I'm just saying the driver is going to be in the seat. But what the drivers require to do, I think, will perhaps deteriorate and we can go further and further away into Elon mode um, to bring up a political subject. Um, yeah, so I want Elon mode. That's what I want. Yeah, I mean, so I, I, I it, and I will say, and I'm gonna hypothesize, and I'm gonna say a little bit of what we've observed on the internet. With Elon mode engaged, with a no nag scenario, on an average drive, it feels probably more magical. So I think right. that if Elon does have Elon mode, and he does not have nags. The fact of what the car currently does that the rest of us are feeling nags is different. So I'm going to give credit to the no nag operation of the current function is magical in the center of the bell curve I described earlier when you're driving. I It probably is like being in Disneyland. Well, you know, I got to say, I, I I tried Ford Ford Blue Cruise, and it did not work that well. Part of that was my fault. I watched that video. Um, yeah, nice job of, on that video. Get getting Sammy to give you the truck and the keys. They, they, yeah, key yeah. Equivalent is. <laughs> yeah. Part part it had a, a freaking key fob and a little start button. Um, part of it was my fault, to be totally honest. I thought I was led to believe that the car had the auto lane changeability. I'm not saying that directly like Monroe was like, yes, it can change lanes, but just I, the way we talked about it, I, yeah, that was in my head that it could change lanes. The software version it was on cannot change lanes. So that yeah. part was my fault. Anyway, why I brought that up is the no hands does add a level of feels good. It feels it's really magic. nice to just, to just like put your hands there and be like, wow, it's doing it. When you have to kind of grab it every, you know, two minutes or, or 30 seconds, it's, it's mm -hmm. kind of, you know, takes away a little bit from that um so I, so I do want to give credit to that so i think mm -hmm. omar mode elon mode and where elon may be i do think the no nag environment of our current functionality feels better than the four hundred thousand of us driving it with nags so right. i think there's a difference there so then andy since you said it um andy weedman said thoughts on omar having elon mode or what how does he have so few nags so i want to let me give a little background for anyone that's not big on twitter so omar he runs the whole mars blog um twitter and he posts fsd videos he posts them to youtube as well but he posts them on uh twitter just like the full video sometimes they're you know sped up sometimes they're normal speed yep. but he never touches the wheel and like everyone's like how can he not touch the wheel it doesn't look like his knees touching it. there's so many like theories on yeah. how but he'll do a whole 20 minute drive and never touch it once never get a nag yeah um so yeah. the question is uh thoughts on omar having elon mode or what how does he have so few nags yeah so elon so first of all omar is driving a stock software uh build it, he does not have any tesla modified software builds absolutely not so omar did not lie in saying he's running stock software but he's modified his car and 
that's easy to do. And that's up to Omar. I disagree with him putting it on video. And I think that was probably the line that I would not have crossed personally, is to, to show that there are ways of, of avoiding nags. And Omar and I could chat about that and maybe I would get blocked right. if we did, but I don't know. But either way, so Omar does not have a special version. There are ways through CAN bus inputs and you can hack a computer 10 ways to Sunday and Tesla is a computer. And guess what? <laughs> there are ways of making the car not do nags. And good on you, Omar. I'm proud of you for solving it. And I am actually thinking that's pretty cool. You shouldn't have put it on video though, because it's created a controversy that has led to a broader discussion about safety. And I'm going to be the safety guy here and go, that's why it shouldn't be on video because there's a lot of people wondering about what this is and who you are and how you get these uh, special drives. Um, you do have very special drives in San Francisco, by the way, that I don't always experience. Uh, but the no nag scenario is a custom thing that he's done to his car and that's okay. It's his car. He bought it. Right. Do what you want, but you gotta be honest about what you're doing to your car. If you're putting in video um, and he has, uh, without describing it specifically, just done a small, small tweak that bypasses uh, uh, the nag logic in 70% of the scenarios that require a nag. If you do some turns and lane changes and things like that, there will be a nag that comes up that, that his defeat does not does not overcome. And this has nothing to do with sure. weights. This has nothing to do with knees, nothing else. And um, Sure. Yeah, I have on. the um, – yeah, no, I agree. Love I, you, man. I, <laughs> I, I I totally agree with your um, you know it's his car he can do whatever he wants I do think whatever he did do because um, I'm not sure I fully understand but whatever he did do like if you're gonna put it in a video just say it it's almost like it's so funny because I don't know if this is the the best equivalent but I have been really into have you ever seen Greg Doucette on YouTube he's a like bodybuilder yeah. coach guy yeah I really I really like his videos yeah uh-huh exactly and he he talks about you know like steroids and all these things and and it's kind of this thing in the bodybuilding community it's like yeah people do steroids obviously even though it's illegal whatever but don't lie about it just talk about them say this is what i'm doing i don't recommend you do it because it's really stupid and will probably kill you early but that's yeah. what i do just you know be clear and upfront about it so for me I have those, the sexy buttons, which everybody should buy using discount code Dirty Tesla. <laughs> um, no, I'm just kidding. Um, but the, one of the features on there is you can press, I have it right on my dashboard so I can use it in videos. You press it and it turns autopilot on. Well, once, and it'll just start driving the car, which is, you know, just kind of cool, kind of fun. Um, well, if you press that same button again, it will, uh, like, it doesn't actually change the speed, but it'll basically put the input in as if you hit the scroll wheel really quick, which counts as mm. like a, a steering wheel touch, which gets rid of that nag for that time. Um, and so I have one kind of lower down on my, you know, armrest where I can just kind of click that. And then I don't have to actually touch the wheel because it thinks I'm, you know, hitting the scroll wheel. Now, there's a couple of reasons I don't use it. Number one, I just like mostly safety, honestly, like I, it's so easy to just hold the wheel or, or grab it or whatever that I don't really care. Um, but number two, the car actually looks at those inputs differently. So I've seen people talk, I'm getting a little on a tangent, but I think this is important for people to know. I've seen people say like, I agree. What the heck? Like I had no chance. It gave me a strike because I didn't touch the wheel, but it like it flashed immediately and I had no time. Well, what people are doing is they're only using the scroll wheel and the car that does not satisfy the car's like need for your input besides yeah. that one nag. So if you keep hitting the scroll wheel, the car gets more and more impatient with your lack of steering wheel touch 
So if I hit that button a bunch, if I miss it, it's going to give me a strike. Um, so when you actually grab the steering wheel and do the little torque, that is more satisfying is, is the best way to put it for the car, um, for you to kind of do that input. So I, I just wanted to kind of make that clear to everybody. So yeah, so there's, there's ways. The, to, uh, okay. So you took me down the rabbit hole, so I'm going to go there. Um, so the sexy right. buttons are, are a CAN bus, uh, hack. So the mm -hmm. sexy buttons and uh, many other tools, the comma panda, can server, raspberry Pi with can hats. The, the Tesla uses, the, the current Teslas use a CAN bus architecture. CAN bus stands for controller area network. And it is a very old architecture that is used in my 1996 Tacoma. And I'm waiting for my cyber truck <laughs> to replace my old truck. But the point is, is that this is a very, it's a two wire bus structure. So all it takes to talk on this bus is an inject of a message. And the CAN message is not complicated for those that understand it. And the sexy buttons are essentially doing a either vehicle or a chassis bus intercept, just like the comma panda does it at interject. And all these, they're interjecting things into either one of these buses, typically either the chassis or vehicle bus. Now, the, the point is, is that injecting messages into a bus for a car and a computer that knows what it thinks it's seeing. So if the Tesla is like, this is my world, this is my world, and Chris hits his sexy button, it's like, boom, I just heard from another planet a message. <laughs> okay, wait a minute, does that message fit into my world? Oh yeah, that works. But if you interject messages at a frequency that doesn't fit with its world, the world can kind of go, whoa, where did that come from? We just saw an alien rock go through our solar system. This is what the Tesla's thinking, right? It's like, oh my gosh, we just so, saw that we, and we need to throw this out. So I'm just saying, injecting messages into the CAN bus is risky. There are mm -hmm. ways of doing it safely. The sexy button architecture has got some basic features that do it safely and I think are, are, are a good, amazing feature set. Injecting it for NAG overrides? is controversial it's totally doable but don't say this is the way the tesla works because it doesn't yeah, you modified it all right okay you mentioned you uh, you mentioned cybertruck so go you have one reserved did you reserve it night off when did you reserve it 30 seconds oh wow so you must be ahead of them. <laughs> that's good i'm still at seventy-eight thousand somehow i don't know oh. i don't know where i I'm at, i don't know I'm at Damn, I don't know yeah. what happened. I was like, bam, 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 bam. I don't yeah. know. Well, I know they Ava, had problems Ava, initially. Ava in Florida said she would give me hers. <laughs> well, that's nice. Ava, yeah. Ava, you gonna let me have? Come on, Ava. <laughs> that's so funny. So you're excited yeah, for it? So, do, you, uh, do you use a truck? Oh are, you, are you like not a truck guy? Why do people keep saying this? Like, if I buy a truck, I'm a I'm beekeeper. A truck oh my god, I got beehives. I throw beehives in the back of my truck. I haul them around. And they just I go to garage. Follow you, or you lose some? Oh, no, no, yeah, yeah. You lose bees in the back of the. Bee. No, that's I'm sad. a um, I'm a suburban farmer. So I, I'm a gardener, I'm aquaponics, I, I raise tilapia, I have bees, I have uh, a lot of different gardening and ag agricultural type things in my yard. So I'm a kind of a suburban truck guy. I'm not a tow horses to the farm kind of a right. guy, but I'm a, you know, bees and pine needles and mulch and yeah. 
gardening and low stuff kind of a guy. Yeah. 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 yeah I'm, same. Excited I, about it. I'm the same. We get dirt yeah. delivered sometimes and gravel and it'd be so much easier yeah. to go pick it up and so much cheaper too to just go drive there and have them dump it in. Or like when I, you know, exactly go to Lowe's or Home Depot or whatever, but yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm so, what is this thing? Why is everybody like, Oh, the people buying semi truck are, aren't truck people. They're like Tesla. Who cares? What is, I'm a, if I buy a truck, I'm a truck guy. Yeah. What does that even mean? Why do people care so much? What yeah, they're trying buy? to create this Farley Ford thing. So Farley's trying to create a that's not a work truck thing. <laughs> Honestly, I think that's okay. probably it. – it's going to be a self-correcting problem, and I can't yeah, wait for this for to sure. happen. Yeah. I, I, it is not for everyone, and I have talked to so many Neither people. Neither is an F-150. Sure like. <laughs> I, well, 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 there are many people that think the F-150 is the answer to their ED truck. Mm -hmm. I, there are many people that think it is. I, I, and I do like the Lightning. I do think the Lightning is a good truck. I'm not going to buy one, but right. I think there's room I and agree. space for both. But I do not, not think that the truck crowd should say no one is going to buy the Cybertruck except for the Silicon Valley crowd. I think that is a mistake. I don't know how big of a mistake that is yet, but I'm thinking it's a mistake by a large order of magnitude. It's the, it's the same level mistake as Tesla can't ramp up Model 3, Tesla won't make profitable EVs. It's the same level mistake, in my opinion. It's the I, same I thing think, again. I don't think the horse trailer guys and the big tow guys, uh, no EV is that solution, right? Uh, we I all agree. know that the diesel rams have a job in this world. And the 100%, EV, yeah. EV trucks are not that car yet. Yeah, my, um, my father-in-law just bought a new diesel truck because he needs yeah. it because he tows. He tows a boat. He tows yeah. a can. He tows all these big things. And he knows that I love EVs. And he's like, yeah, they're just not for me. And I'm like, they're not for you. You're right. Like, you should not buy a Cybertruck. You shouldn't buy a 600-mile Cybertruck because it wouldn't be good enough yeah. for you. And yeah. there's nothing wrong yeah. with that. But I just, I don't know. I get It's just so weird. Um, I, okay. But 80% of the market is you and me. Oh yeah, of course. Just normal people that like would love the utility. I I've said this before. If I didn't buy a model three, thank God I did. But if I didn't buy a model three, I was cross shopping a model three with a Silverado. Those were my two choices. And wow. it's, it's yeah. because I needed, I mean, I didn't need, but like, it would have been so nice yeah. on a truck for all the things I do around here, but I have a I really know. long commute. And I was like, yeah, Silverado's cheaper than a Model 3, but I might have to pay so much in gas. And I did all the math. And I was like, well, that's dumb. I'm buying a Model 3. I'd much rather have that. And if it sucks, I'll just trade it for the Silverado. Um, so yeah. I can't wait to have the efficiency of an EV and the utility of a truck. Uh, sorry, if, if you have more. It's going to kick butt. And a little yeah. shout out to Rocco, one of my peers on Discord. And Rocco and I talk a lot. And Rocco is a, a very technical person that I appreciate his opinion. And I love the fact he has a cheap old Lowe's trailer that he tows behind his Model 3 to pretend he's like here. he's got a truck. And I know, I know, yeah. it, it, Rocco, you're making it happen. You got a truck with an EV. You, I right. saw a, a picture of you towing two four by fours today and you made a comment of this cost me 75 cents versus $4 in gas. And I'm like, EVs and a trailer can be a truck and you're making it happen. And I think that for many, many, many people, there are solutions to this piece of the puzzle. Um, so anyway, shout out to Rocco. Right. Um, just a comment I'll read to you. Chuck, my car did a perfect unprotected left using the creep and media networks recently. First time I saw it. 
<laughs> That's awesome. Oh, here's Rocco. Surprised you don't have a trailer, Chris. I know. I've thought about it, but I just <laughs> I, I just haven't done it. I, I was on the yeah. edge, but at this point, I'm just gonna wait for Cybertruck. And if I need one, I'll get it later. Yeah, yeah I'm not gonna do it. Um, okay, this hey, is a that, really that, that UPL performance goes to the ADAS drivers that came out and perfected it. You know, uh, maybe I, I raised the attention and Elon said, Hey, that's a good problem to solve. And I think that's all that was is Elon goes, Ooh, let's go solve that one. Um, yeah. my name just happened to be on it. That's maybe why you're talking to me today, Chris. <laughs> um, now I knew you way before your release note <laughs> debut. Uh, okay, so this question is from Breakfast Pizza, best food in the world. Question, it's easy. I, I really like this one. It's easy to be critical of the flaws, but what are some of the actions that FSD has performed that impressed you both? I was surprised how well it handled rain soon after downloading 11.4.2. I totally agree with the rain comment. Oh, yeah. I, um, rain, weather, if you engage it before it freaks out, it stays engaged really, really good. If yep. it gets to that fast windshield, windshield weapon mode, it won't engage and you kind of get frustrated with it. But if it's engaged, it stays engaged much longer than it used to. Um, and I would argue with splashes and like, like, oh my gosh, I can't see through the windshield. The car just keeps on driving through it very reliably. And um, I, I'm, I would say it's better than me um in some low vis visibility scenarios with rain i i don't drive in snow like maybe you do chris up up there mm -hmm. yeah. but in rain um it's good yeah um are there any other actions that it's performed that impress you it's off the top of your head the middle, it's the middle of the the middle of the drives are really 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 good you know i yeah. can trip it up just like you can there's mm -hmm. all these corner cases but there are times i'm just driving around and i look at my wife and i'm like oh my god what are we doing yeah. here? Uh, and I, I know you and Stephanie do the same thing. There are moments that you just feel that euphoria of like, yeah, this, I do that this, by wasn't, here, <laughs> this wasn't here before. So yeah. I don't want to take away from those moments what all the things I can find that we need to work on. They are there and they're very big and they should be uh, lauded for being amazing. I see more of them on the highway. Um, obviously because you get hours and hours and hours of driving the, the amount of stress that is taken away from me on the highway oh, now that we have v11 highway stack i it's measurable in in energy if i do a two and a half hour drive the, my life is different because yeah. I, I it's different navigating autopilot was good it was, it was. good and i'm yeah. not saying that so i'm just saying v11 is good too the the lane logic is good I don't like the camping in the in the left lane, but I can turn a blinker Same. on and make it change lanes a little bit too. Um, but yeah, so those are things I would really, really laud and say it, mm -hmm. it's really good at. Um, yeah, for me, I, off the top I, of so I, I want to start a conversation about end to end, and I don't know if you want to yeah. go into that, and maybe we can spur some questions because I think yeah, I think we're going to transition here. I think George Hutz, I think had it right. I think Kama had it right on yeah, end he's, to end. He's real good. They were just, this. they were just with, with with an Android, and granted, that's not the visualization system, but taking the neural networks in an end to end training environment might be right. And I don't know if solving this from heuristic and converting in the Carpathy one to 2.0 curve we've been watching for three years to go, oh, we're eating 1.0 to 2.0 was right. We might need to go end to end from the start, meaning like 
okay, let's just go drive and let's start learning and let's see what end to end does. Because can you take end to end logic from the flow from 1.0 to 2.0 where you took heuristic to networks? I don't know. So that's just an open-ended question. If there's some engineers that would ever want to call me and talk to me about this, <laughs> I think the end-to-end logic is different. I don't know if you can go from 1.0 to 2.0 to end-to-end without completely changing the way you train the network. But I think that uh, that may be where we are with Elon teasing V12 end-to-end, no beta, with no timeline, no of course, right? He didn't yeah, put a timeline yeah. on that. We have no idea where that is. Yeah. But um, – We'll see. I think yeah. it is where we'll end up being. Uh, I don't know it it does. Is. It does seem like it. I think I'm honestly a little too dumb to answer that kind of question <laughs> to like comment too much about that because it's such a high level thing. Um, and I'm not, you know, a software guy, so I, I start to get lost in the details of all that. But um, it, it just makes me think of a whole nother like rewrite scenario where they're like, oh, now we got to redo all this. And you're like, oh crap, like. Sure, the, the rewrite now is better than it was, you know, two years ago, but it's worse than it was like a week ago. And then it eventually gets better and it's all this like back and forth. Um, but yeah, I've listened to I, I, mm-hmm. I hope the team has the humility and or Elon has the ability to let them do what they need to do if they reach that plateau. Don't know if they need to. I just hope right. that they have that flexibility to solve the problem. And if they reach a wall, let them solve it. Because if there's one thing I've ever learned in my 30 plus year career as an engineer is give it to the engineers and let them solve it. Don't interfere as a manager on how to solve it. Right. For sure. I would think, um, obviously I've never like worked for Elon or anything, but I would think he's probably pretty good about that. I mean, it seems like he needs a lot of control over everything, but at the same time, I'm sure you sensed it too. When I was talking to the different people, the different uh, people on the autopilot team, they were some of the happiest people I've ever talked to in my life. They love oh their job. They were obsessed with it. So I was like, all right, your work environment must be amazing because that's all you want to talk about. They they were like, they were like almost bouncing as they were talking to me because they were so excited. Um, so that they made me really so happy. They were so young. They were yes. so young. Well, yeah, they, 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 some of them said they were like, oh yeah, I watched your videos before beta was a thing when you would do the navigate on autopilot videos back in, you know, like 2019. Yeah. Yeah. And that inspired me to work for Tesla. I'm like, what? Yeah, okay, you're yeah. as young as you look. <laughs> so funny. It did put it in perspective, right? It, it you know, I, I, well, this is a global perspective. There was a job I took in the Navy one time when I was an Admiral's aide, and I went from being a, a, a lieutenant in the Navy to being a, an aide for a three star Admiral. And he was the commander of the Third Fleet. And I went from this tiny little job to working for this, oh my gosh, Admiral in the Third Fleet. And all of a sudden, I was working next to this big guy, and I was like, he's just another guy making a big decision for a bigger fleet for a bigger he he runs the whole navy that perspective changed my perspective on on leadership and just to understand that wherever we are in our positions in, in our careers we're all managing the problem we're given but ultimately no one there is no superhuman we're all right. humans solving problems. And those kids you and I met, and I call them kids. I'm sorry, guys, if you're listening, but because you're a lot younger than me. But Chris, <laughs> those guys that you and I met that are the amazing engineers are the engineers solving this problem. They're not superhumans. They're just humans. And right. their boss is Elon. And guess what? He's just another guy right. that has a lot of kids. And he's no. really smart and likes yeah. rockets. Um, and, and I'm just saying, don't put him on a pedestal like he's God. He's 
an amazing engineer. He's got some money and he can hire people that want to work for him and we're creating an amazing product. But don't put these people on pedestals that seem like they're so amazing that no one else could do it. No, they could do it with good leadership and good talent and we can recruit additional people, but we're all humans solving problems. And um, that was a lesson I learned in life when I took that step in my career. And uh, I think many people have probably experienced the same thing. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I had a similar, not as profound realization, but I I applied um, to NASA when I was finishing up my master's in biology. Obviously, I don't have the military route, but now NASA is open to you know the education route as well. And I technically was qualified. I was like, oh, I could never be an astronaut. And I'm like, you know what? Astronauts were just people. Now, I did not get hired, obviously. And that round that did get hired that I applied for, holy moly, the, the one of the guys was like a PhD MD from Harvard that was also a Navy SEAL and also like flew. I was like, all right, well, maybe I'm not. Maybe I shouldn't have applied. This is ridiculous. <laughs> So the funnel um, does get very narrow. The funnel does get very narrow in some filter. I still criteria. want to go to space. I'm still going to space. You know what? If I have to go as a tourist, I'm freaking hey, going to space. You know what? <laughs> you know what? Yeah. Tim Dodd's going to the fucking moon. I know. I know. It's so exciting. Yeah, that is. So it doesn't. It, right. I mean, so I'm just saying that it, it obviously uh, timing matters. Positional right. authority matters. Who you know matters how you influence the world matters, but uh, we've all gone through these uh, fl filters and you know what? We're all going through the great filter and yep. who knows how long we will be here. Exactly. Um, but we get to observe this moment. Yep. All right. Thank you so much, Chuck. We are about out of time. So I want to ask you, Chuck, is there anything else you wanted to cover? Just say thank you to everybody uh, before we head out of here. Um, I want to acknowledge your wife, Stephanie. Stephanie, in the background, thank you for making Chris the man he is. Um, she took off. We would not know. <laughs> well, all right, tell tell her that because uh, uh, we are not who we are without our support network, and uh, none of us can do that alone. And those of you that are doing it alone, realize there are a lot of people out there that support you, and uh, it's this is a great community here. And Tesla is a amazing community to reach out and and don't forget we're all here for you. Um, FSD is an amazing topic. I love to talk about it. And though, by the way, I'm going to talk about it whether you want to listen or not. But Chris is an amazing advocate, and I'm, I'm appreciative of being here and having this time tonight, Chris. So thank you very much. Um, I'm humbled. Great. Thank you so much, Chuck. I really appreciate you being here, and uh, your background has me humbled. <laughs> I'm like, this dude's amazing. And, and he's, he's, we're kind of like working on the same thing. So it's really fun. So um, thank you to everybody who is viewing and watching. Make sure you subscribe to Chuck Cook. He's on YouTube. He's got a Twitter. He's got all that. Um, so give him some love on his YouTube channel. Uh, thank you so much. And I hope everybody has a good night. Have a great night, everybody. Love you all.